0: Turn to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15 is where we'll start tonight. Luke chapter 15. It's amazing though. I was talking to Brother David as I came out, the, out of my office and started making my way this way. and He says, hey, how you doing? I said, I'm alive and kicking. He goes, well, that doesn't sound too promising. I said, man, I just got nervous. And so I was doing good all day and, and you know, preparing the message and going over the message and, and preaching it. He goes, hey, you'll, you'll do fine. I said, I know. I'd rather preach to the kids they, and the teenagers and get out there with the adults. And, and, uh, or maybe we just take everybody, go up in the teen room. Maybe it'd be different. And uh, that would be fun. We'd pack that thing out. And, and uh, Luke chapter 15, and we're going to start reading in verse 11 tonight. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me this portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with righteous living. And when he had spent all, there arose mighty famine in that land. And he began to be in want. And he went and journeyed himself to a citizen of the country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that he swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help me tonight. Lord, I want to be a blessing to the parents, to the young people in this room today. Lord, I pray that you just help me, Lord, guard my words, help them to be right, help them to be exactly what you would have me to say tonight, Lord. Lord, thank you so much for loving us and what you've done in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, here in this story, we see of two sons, and I kind of wish there was more to this, more of the beginning of the story of why is this son running away? Why is this son asking his dad to give me all the money or half the money and to get out of there? And you you wonder, you try to look into it, you try to figure out why this is happening. And within the last month, probably more than one time, somebody has asked me, why are young people not turning out? why are young people not turning out i really believe it's how you look at it and who is looking at it Uh, you have the parent that is satisfied with the young person that's not in jail they don't have a record they're not on drugs they're not into pornography they're not an alcoholic they have a decent job they don't have a child before married and we would they would say that is a success that's what i want Even the world would look at that young person and say, oh wow, what a success. What a success. Even a grandparent might look at that and say, man, that is a successful young person. But does it really matter what we think or what the world thinks? As we were knocking doors yesterday, inviting people to church, we came across a few people that disagreed about the way to heaven. And you always run into people like that. And we tried to tell them that really it's not about what we think, it's about what the Bible says. It's the Bible way to heaven. It's not about being the the Baptist way, the Catholic way. It's about what the Bible says. And a couple times yesterday I said, these things have been written to you that you may know that you have everlasting life. It's what the Bible says. Isn't that what we want for our young people as well? The Bible way of bringing them up. The Bible way of raising them. The Bible way of bringing them to the Lord to be used by him. I guess the question would be, what defines a lost young person? And when I say lost young person, I don't mean one that that is lost as in salvation. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about a a young person maybe that is lost to the world. A young, a young person that is not serving the Lord. What defines a young person that has not turned out? What defines a young person that is not turned out for the Lord? Some might say that, and I have even said that, they might be considered a spiritual casualty. I really don't think that anybody wants that. And nobody wants a physical casualty. And I guarantee nobody wants a spiritual casualty. Nobody wants that. We we think of physical casualties and things that have happened and, and the tragedies there. To me, a young person that doesn't do what God would have them to do becomes a spiritual tragedy. Nobody wants that. Boy, as a youth pastor, you don't want that. You've heard me say it before and I'll say it again and again and again. But I do believe that every person was created, every young person, for a specific reason. I believe that God has a specific plan. I believe that none of the teenagers, none of the young people, none of the people in this room are a mistake. I know sometimes we look at young people and parents might even say, whoops, didn't plan on that one happening. But God has a plan and God has a plan. And I believe that every young person in this room, every young person in the world, that God has a plan for them. I believe that God has something that he wants them to do. So why are we losing our young people? Why does it seem that when they get to the certain age that they don't want anything to do with church? Anything to do with the Lord? Anything to do with serving, serving God? I think it was last Sunday morning I heard Brother Jeremiah say, we stand back there, we try to listen a little bit. And he said something about uh, the fact that it kills him to think of the young people that have come through camps. The young people that have come through Sunday schools. The young people that have come through uh, different areas of of church and now don't want anything to do with church. Don't want anything to do with the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't want anything to do with Him. And it hurts as you see that. As you're the youth pastor for several years and, and you watch young people and you watch them come and go and what they're doing with their life. Like I said a few minutes ago, I believe that God created each and every one of us to do something special for him. I believe that God created the young people to do something awesome for the Lord Jesus Christ. And can I tell you that if God has this plan, this is what God has this plan for this young person, and they don't do it, who are they serving? I know many times we don't look at it like that. But if God, would, God built this young person to do this certain plan, this certain thing, whether it be a doctor, a lawyer, a plumber, a, a missionary, whatever it might be, I believe God creates them for a certain reason. He has built them for a certain reason. And if they don't do that plan, who then are they serving? Many times we don't want to say it, but are they serving Satan? Because I believe that Satan wants them to do anything except what God would have them to do. Would you agree with that? And we don't want to say that a young person, and nobody in this room would say, "Oh, I want to serve Satan. I want to do what he wants me to do. I want to." I, I. No, no, no. We wouldn't say that. But God has a plan, and God created them to do this certain thing. So if they don't do that, who then are they serving? I know we don't like to say that, but why are we losing our young person? Number one, I believe, I believe the Lord never becomes real to them. The Lord never becomes real to them. Look at Psalms 34. Psalms chapter 34. Psalms chapter 34. Look at verse 8. The Bible says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is what? Wait a minute. That was like good oh taste and see that the Lord is what good I don't know about you but in my life God has been good God has been good they have never had a real relationship with Jesus Christ they have never been able to see how sweet it is to have that relationship with the heavenly father listen I don't know about you I have a great relationship with my earthly father Man, and it's, it's awesome. I enjoy that. I enjoy the phone calls. I try to call them once a week. Sometimes we get busy. It doesn't happen. But I enjoy my relationship with my earthly father. Well, you know what? I think we should enjoy it just as much with our heavenly father right here. But many times our young people, they don't understand how real God is and the importance there. They've never become, the Lord has never become real to them. I've referenced this before and I will say it again. But one of the sweetest times, I believe, in the youth department is Thursdays at camp. Thursdays, but Jeremiah knows he's been to camp several times. They were up there several times with us and, and directing there. But Thursdays, boy, they get to camp on Monday, and some of the kids, some of the young people, they had to go. The parents made them go, and it's like, yeah, go ahead. I dare you. Speak to me. Go ahead. I dare you. Boy, they hear that preaching on Monday, and then we sing the songs, and then we have some crazy games, and... Youth pastors come up with some crazy games at times. And I'm glad I'm not in the youth department anymore. But uh, 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 then and Tuesday, the preaching. And then Tuesday evening, the preaching. And the Lord starts working on their heart. And that Wednesday, boy, they start getting things right. And then Thursday, man, they're, 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 they're wanting to read their Bible. They're wanting to pray. And they're tired, wanting to have that relationship with God. They want that sweet relationship. And they kind of have it just for a little bit. But then Friday, they come home. And I think, what happens between camp on Thursday night and Friday when they get picked up? What happens there? I know at camp, they don't have their phones. They don't have the internet. They don't have all that stuff. And a lot of the influences that they have are not there. And they get away from that stuff for a while. And uh, what a blessing that is. And and they, they they take time to get in the Word of God. And they start having that relationship. And the Lord starts to become real to them just a little bit. And it starts to become real. It starts to become real. And then they go home. And... What happens there? For a few days at camp, it's real. For a few days, they do taste and see that the Lord is good. We need some young people today. We need some adults today. We need some children today to see how good God is. Oh, taste and see that God is what? Some of you, he's good. Okay, let's try again. I think we're going to get this. Oh, taste and see that God is? Oh, that was good, man. It's almost like junior church. I'm kind of getting the hang of this, not as nervous anymore. Then we'll just start again because I won't be as nervous. Has he ever become real to you? In your life today, is he real? Can you say that God is good? Have you had the opportunity to taste and see how good God is? And do your young people know it? Do they see it? Do they see how good God is? Maybe the Lord has never become real to the young people because it's never become real to the adult or to the parent or to the grandparent. When do you have your time with the Lord Jesus Christ? When do you have the time of the sweet relationship with Jesus Christ? If you don't have it, hey, start today. Start today. Start today. I do believe that in most cases, If the Lord is real to the parent, the Lord is going to be real to the young person. I love to tell this story. Actually, I kind of hate to tell this story, but uh, you know that I I enjoy to hunt. Uh, I enjoy going hunting, and as a matter of fact, I uh, tricked some young people a few years ago and had a little trivia, and what is Brother John's favorite sport? Oh yeah, sport. Oh, they're all writing down basketball. Write it down, basketball. And so we got to it. All right, what's Brother John's favorite sport? Basketball? No, wrong. <laughs> uh, it's hunting. I tricked him. And uh, anyway, it's it, I, I enjoy going hunting. And Tyler and I were were hunting several years ago, and we're sitting in this box stand, and we look out the window to the left, and and here comes this deer just kind of trotting right at us. And, and uh, it's an older buck and it's coming at us. And, and uh, I get, I, he's sitting here, I'm sitting here. We kind of slide around a little bit. I get my gun out the window and, and I'm pointing out the window right here. And uh, it's about to turn the corner, probably about 75 yards away. It turns the corner a little bit and I start to whistle and it stops and I hear this little voice God is good to us. Man, it's tears. I'm trying to shoot this deer, and i got these tears flowing because I hear this little voice next to me. And he says, God is so good to us. I feel like at that time I could have closed my eyes and just went, and the deer would have fell over. Because <laughs> God was giving us, and he saw the fact that God was giving us that deer. God is good. God is good. He's real. He's real. When, when the Lord becomes real to you and bad things happen, you look at it and understand that God is in control. We might not understand this situation, but we must understand that God is in control and that he has it. We were at Baton Rouge for several years and there's things that happen I can't say that I understand that's happened in the youth department, things that have happened to young people and families. And think of the the family that sat right in front of us. And they sat on the first row and and the dad sat there and the two daughters sat right there and the mom sat in the wheelchair and she had cancer. And you watch her just shrivel away and shrivel away. The girl being about 13 years old, 14 years old, the other one being about nine years old. And they sit there, she she shrivels away and shrivels away. Next thing you know, she's not in church because she's passed away. How do you say, I understand that? How do you say, I understand what you're going through? You have another family that their dad's the pastor and, and a pastor in an Alabama, and they, 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 the, the dad passes away with five or six uh, young people or five or six children. Then you have another one that, that uh, live in the uh, Hammond area that the dad and had and two boys and, and, and the, the wife passes away. How, how, do you, how do you explain that to them? It's really tough. And I don't understand, and I can't say I understand. But that's when it's so important that we know that God is real, and that God is real to us. And if as parents we have not trained them, that, that God is real, that we sit down and we talk with them when we share the stories of the Bible of how this happened and how that happened, and we understand that God is good. In hard times, God has to be real to them. In good times, God has to be real to them. On the mountaintop, God has to be real to them. In the valley, God has to be real to them. This world is cruel. This world is hard. Every young person has to have the time in their life when the Lord has to become real to them. Things happen in life that I don't understand. Bad things. Why? Because God has not become real. I'm sorry, I skipped a line there. They quit church. They quit God. They quit on everything. They know to be right. Why? Because God has not become real to them. Take your Bible and turn to Psalms 119, verse 165. Psalm 119. Many times we have people, we have young people, and they get their knickers in a knot because of something that has been said or done to you. And I've had to apply this verse in my life many a times. Psalm 119, verse 165, the Bible says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and what? Nothing shall offend them. Now listen, I I had to print that out one time. There was a time in my life I had to take that verse and I had to print it out, and I had to hang it in my office. I was going through. I was getting my knickers in a knot. And I had, I had to get things right. Listen, uh, some of us, we have a hard time with things. And we, we get upset about the littlest things. Make sure your young person has a relationship with Jesus Christ. Better yet, the whole family should have a relationship with Jesus Christ together. And how sweet is that? I I know it's busy. I know it's busy. Uh, Basketball season just ended. I'm kind of thankful. Yes, I'm kind of not. I enjoyed the basketball season, yet it's so busy. Let's make sure we're having an altered time with our family. Number one, make sure God is real. Number two, make sure they know there is right and there is wrong. There is right and there is wrong. I believe we come to a time in many parents, to a time in many parents in young people's life, that they don't know what is right and what is wrong what is truth and what is not truth what they should believe and what they should not believe what is godly and what is ungodly and i believe this starts at a young age we watch we teach them at a young age what is right and what is wrong and that there are consequences for the young there are consequences for not doing right now listen we got to teach that we got to teach that there's right and there's wrong Let's look at a list of things that might be wrong. Is lying wrong? Is cheating wrong? Is stealing wrong? Is disobeying wrong? Is murder wrong? Is adultery wrong? Is having other gods before the Lord wrong? Is taking the Lord's name in vain wrong? Is pornography wrong? Is bitterness wrong? Is anger wrong? Is pride wrong? Is lust wrong? Is alcohol wrong? Is drugs? Is idolatry? Is hate? And the list can go on and on and on and on that we would all consider a sin. But is that being taught at home? Is that being taught at home? Say, listen, this is wrong. To lust is wrong. It's sin. It's wrong. Lying is sin. There's consequences for that. Cheating, it's a sin. It's wrong. Disobedience is wrong. Is it being taught at home? I think many times it's not uh again uh i had an usher even asked me this morning he goes how do you get them all to line up here in the hallway and and they're just they're just pretty much standing there and they're quiet and they're, they know what i expect your young person should know what you expect it shouldn't be it shouldn't be johnny quit talking johnny quit talking johnny i said please please okay you can talk quietly No, 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 listen, listen, we're going to tell them that it's right, lying is wrong, pornography is wrong, hatred is wrong, and the list goes on and on, bitterness, anger, we got to teach them that it's wrong. Can I tell you that right is right and wrong is wrong, and God tells us in the Bible, in the Word of God, what is right and what is wrong. The Word of God is absolute truth. That's why it's so important that we have the time in the Word of God to know what is right and know what is wrong. Listen, we ought to be teaching them the Word of God. That's where we're going to get our rights and get our wrongs from the Word of God and teach it to them so when they are in a situation, when they're in a situation, they can say, no, 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 no. I can't do this. The Word of God says they're not supposed to do that. I can't do that. Have you taught your young people what is right and what is wrong according to the Bible? According to the Bible. Not what I think. Not what Brother John thinks. Not what you think, but according to the word of God. You can see it now in the world we're living in that the world is saying what used to be, what used to be bad is good, and what is good is bad. What used to be evil is now considered good, and what is good is now considered evil. We've got to make sure as parents that we are teaching our young people the word of God and what is right and what is wrong according to the Bible. Not according to me, not according to grandma and grandpa, but according to the word of God. Number three, what goes in determines what comes out. What goes in determines what goes out. How important is it to what goes in a child's brain. How important is it to what goes in their mind? I'm talking about their ear gate. I'm talking about their eye gate. What goes in there? How important is that to what they hear and what they see? See, I believe that what goes in is going to come out eventually. What they see in the lives of other people, what they see on TV, what they see on their phones, what they see on the internet, what they see on their tablets, will eventually come out. I believe that what a young person hears from the phone, from their TV, from the internet, from the influences around them will eventually come out of them. I believe that what goes in eventually comes out. If you were given a list of 10 things, 10 things, not illegal things, that you could do, and if you accomplish those 10 things, somebody would give you a million dollars. I think all of us would be in line for that. I'd be in line for that. A list of 10 things. I think I could, first off, it's competition. So I'm there. Sign me up. I'm all about competition. we do everything we could to complete that list. You see, God has given us a far more precious gift than a million dollars. Far more precious than any prize that you could ever get. And that is our young people. Our young people, to me, are worth more than a million dollars. Our our young people are worth more than all the money in the world. Some of you would like to sell your kid for a million dollars. Probably wouldn't get that much. (laughs) But what will we do to protect our young people? What will we do to protect our kids? What will we do to protect them? You see... Uh, You wonder why your children or young person has a bad spirit or attitude. You wonder the things that come out of their mouth and like, where did you hear that? Where did that come from? You wonder why they say some of the things that they say. How about you check their influences? How about you check what is influencing their life? Because what goes in will eventually come out. You wonder why we have these mass shootings and I think they're terrible i would love to look at what these guys did for fun i love to see the video games that they played the music they listened to the influences they had the people they hung around who and what influences your young people do you even know you know i'm not sitting my boys with somebody that i do not know and trust and, you know, if you don't know me yet, that's fine. I understand, you know. I understand I've had parents say, oh, I just don't know. That's fine. That's not a problem. I totally get it. I understand. I'm not sending my, you know, my boys with people that I don't trust. And if your young people are with me, I'm going to put, I'm not going to put them into a position or a place that I would never put my boys in. And sometimes I don't understand that I feel like I am more guarded of your young people than you are. You see, I, 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 you know, up there in teen church and go on activities and you see the boys with phones and girls with phones. And as you see that, you just pray and, oh, Lord, I pray they're doing right. Lord, I pray that they're doing right. I pray that their parents have put some, some, uh, uh, some protection on that, some, some, uh, uh, some holds on that to, to, to protect them. But I do guess that it's hard for parents to look at the young person and tell them, don't watch that. Don't listen to that. Don't act this way if they're doing it. See, I can't tell my boys not to cuss if if I'm cussing. I can't tell my boys to, to quit drinking if I'm drinking. I can't tell my boys to quit looking at pornography if I'm looking at pornography. I can't tell my boys to quit using drugs if I'm using drugs. We need some families that are going to decide that what goes on in the family life is clean, is pure, and holy. Doesn't the Bible tell us what we're supposed to let enter into our mind and eyes? We see Philippians 4 8. Doesn't it say, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Well, that changes a lot of things. Number four, parents don't want to be the parents. Parents don't want to be the bad guys. Parents don't want to battle for their children. And it is a battle. It is a battle. We battle Satan every single day. If parents, I've said this before, I'll say it again, but if parents will learn to be the parents now, be the parent now from the age of birth to age 18, 19, 20 years old will be the parent during that time. Later on in life, you can be great friends. But many times when they're this age, they're young and they try to be the friends now and be as friendly, and I don't want to be the bad guy, and later on, boy, you lose them. It's gone, it's over. Parents, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, hold on to your seats because I don't know if the, the world is good with this, but the parents, it's okay to look in their chest of drawers in their room. It's not popular probably. And it's okay to look through their phone. Matter of fact, I encourage it. It's okay to look through their book sacks. It's okay to look through anything else that you think, maybe the tablet, computer, you name it. It's okay. Because you're the parent. And in most cases, you probably pay for the house. You probably pay the house note or the rent, the electric bill. You probably pay that. And if they say, no, you can't look at that, I would be definitely looking at it. Parents, it's your job to rear them for God. He does have a youth pastor, a children's pastor, a pastor, a principal. And we're going to help in every way possible. But God has given them to you. My boys, I don't think that either, none of you in here are going to answer to God for my boys. I will. I will. So if I make somebody upset and I say, oh, I'm sorry that I can't go with you, I'm sorry, this, I'm, you're going to have to get over it. Amen. And if you do the same thing to me, I'm going to have to get over it because you're the one that's going to have to answer God for your kids. I have to answer the Lord for my kids. You can put them in the Christian school Get them involved in youth activities, which are great, and I encourage both of those. Have them go soul winning, be in the bus ministry, have them go to camps, and even make sure that somebody is checking up on them and make sure they're doing their Bible reading. But if mom and dad don't do their jobs, most often the children will not make it. Now, I believe they get to choose. I believe they get to choose, and there's been some young people through the history that have chosen to do right. Maybe they had a dad and mom that was an alcoholic, a druggie, and they they didn't go to church, and they chose to do right. But the odds are in the favor of the ones that are right there all together. You do understand that we are, as parents, to correct our children. The Bible says in twenty-two six, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Hebrews twelve seven says, "What son is he whom the father chasteneth not?" Proverbs thirteen twenty four says, "He that spareth the rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes." Was betimes? That's early. Early. We must learn to say no, if it's something they don't that's, that's, that's going to do them wrong, or that, if. It, if it's something they're doing that's wrong, let's stop it. Let's correct it. Let's get it fixed. It's your job to correct and protect. Parents, it's our job to correct and protect. Correct and protect from all of Satan's devices. It's our job as parents to guide them. It's our job to direct them. It's our job to nurture them in the way of the Lord. So when I asked the question, so when I was asked the question, why are teenagers not making? I hate to say this out loud, but I told them many times it's the parents. Amen. Now Not always. They get to choose. I believe they have to choose. Please don't get mad at me. And I believe that many times parents, we don't teach them how real that God can be because he's never become real to us. Amen. Maybe as parents, we haven't taught them. Next, I believe parents don't teach them that there is a right and there is a wrong, and what is right and what is wrong biblically, and that's so important there. And we don't try to protect them as to what goes in and will come out. And the bottom line, parents, many times, we just don't want to become and be the parents. They don't want to fight. They don't want to have the battle. So what can we do as parents? Number one, have a family altar time. Get together. If you haven't, if you haven't, listen, I've done this with my boys before. I've said, listen, boys, I'm sorry. I apologize. I should have been doing this. I haven't been doing this. Listen, I'm sorry. We need to do this and we're going to start this again. I know we started it before and we didn't finish. And we started it before and we didn't finish. Listen, I hate apologizing. None of us like to apologize, but sometimes we have to. Sometimes we have to. Let them know all the things He has done for you. The blessings of God in your life. Share with them what you received from your devotion share with them what you received from your devotion number two explain or teach them what the bible says about sin listen that means you have to get in the word of god that means you have to know what it says that means you have to get in here and know why is it wrong for me to look at pornography you know they say that 80 percent 80 percent of men in the church look at pornography 80 percent that's a whole other subject Ah, I think I believe it. It's access, we have access. It's it's, it's there, but why is it wrong? Why is it wrong to listen to the world's music? Why is it wrong? Teach them from the board of God. Find out yourselves. Number three, protect them from all influences that will affect them spiritually. Listen, I believe the Lord gives parents spiritual discernment. How do we get that? By staying faithfully, reading in the word of God. Spending time with him. Having that sweet relationship. Listen, have him give you that spirit. You know, listen, okay, I can't go over to little Johnny's house. No, you don't need to be going over there. That's not what it is. And sometimes, sometimes they'll ask, why, why not? Sometimes you got to say, just trust me. Just trust me. You have to trust me on this one. Protect them from all influences that will affect them spiritually. Number four. Be the parent that God expects you to be. The Lord has trusted you with the greatest gift, the gift of a child, the gift of a young person. Be the parent that God expects you to be. Every head bowed, every eye closed.